thinking three again. Missed one a few moments ago. There it is, and down it goes for his first NBA hoop. I don't want to call it today, you know, I just made it rain. Hold me back, fam! A below average three-point shooter. There's Simmons. I got 50 biscuits. Hello and welcome back to the PickSwap Podcast. It's Thursday afternoon. It's me, I'm James Barain, and I'm here with Sean Bernard as usual. Sean, how you doing, brother? Not too bad. The uh, lo- Sixers lost, snapping the seven-game win streak, and uh, B tying the record with a, uh, you know, Will and AI, which is super cool. But that one loss was somehow just as frustrating as uh, I guess all the positives from that the seven straight win. So I don't know. It's a roller coaster with this team. We're hanging in there. We're braced for all the deadline moves, I guess. Yeah, uh, it was a. I don't know. It was kind of like a lull of a game. It it didn't seem like it was ever. The energy was never really there. Um, yeah. Another like pretty bleh performance from Tobias, um, and no one else really seemed to contribute that much. Uh, Maxi struggled from the field, but it was his first game back from missing some time, so to be understood. But he did go on a little bit of a run by himself um, earlier in the game, but just like they they snapped the win streak, unfortunately, to the Hornets um, and at home, which was, yeah. I, I feel like is what bothers me the most is that it was at home. Um, and they've they've gone from being like a basically unbeatable team at home over the last couple of years to not having that type of advantage anymore. And I mean, I don't know if that's just uh, the turn of the times or or what, but it, it it was a little bit frustrating. So, what was your biggest takeaway from last night? Uh, I, I mean, just for starters, I would say the Hornets are a team that like put all the Sixers' weaknesses on blast. Like the, the thing that jumped off the page to me is just the, the difference in athleticism between the two teams. Yeah. Just like the Sixers constantly looked like they were doing everything in slow motion, whereas the Hornets were out there kind of running around and do like just simple things and just just like the athletic limitations that this team have. And it's fine to have some guys that occupy purely on like basketball scale rather than athleticism. But like you can only have so many like Furcon Cork Miles George's Niang, Danny Green, all, like there's Tobias these are all guys that are so limited in what they can do. Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, like it, it kind of yeah. doesn't end. Uh, I, so I, that was the biggest thing, and I, I mean that was seen with, when you look at the stats, like out rebounded, uh, forty two to thirty three, outscored in the paint, fifty six to thirty four. Hornets had twenty five fast break points. Hornets came in the game second ranked in pace, so that should have been something I expected. And they, the Sixers just can't match that right now, and that that's a, a roster wide issue. Yeah. It, I don't want to get too like philosophical with this loss because it's just something that happens. But for sure, it sometimes it sometimes it feels like the Sixers play a little bit entitled. I, I'm not gonna lie, they play with an entitlement. Like there was a couple times last night, even in, even Joel and I, I don't think that the the loss last night was his fault by any means or, or anything like that. I'm not trying to put that uh, propaganda out there, but there's just just one play that stood out to me really specifically was um, Embiid got a rebound. And just kind of caught it with one hand and turned around and looked to like hand it off. And before he even turned around, Lamella Ball had already shot the ball and ran in to get his own rebound and tipped the ball out of bounds. It ended up being the Sixers ball anyway. But it was one of those things where it was like everyone on the floor was like, oh, he missed. He's going to get back on defense. And we're just going to, you know, lazily get the rebound and hand it off and walk it up the floor. And like teams don't play like that anymore. You, you pointed out the, the lack of athleticism. The Sixers struggle against the Hornets. They struggle against uh, the Grizzlies, for example. Like, young teams that are hungry that don't give a fuck about who's who. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they don't care 
who they're playing against. John Morant coming down the lane doesn't care if it's Rudy Gobert or Joel Embiid or Tyrese Maxey. He's going to go up to the rim. And and the same thing with the guys on the Hornets, whether it's Miles Bridges or P.J. Washington or LaMelo or Terry Rozier. Like, the, I wish there was a little bit more of that on the Sixers roster, and it, it shows when they play teams like that that they really don't have anyone like that. Yeah, definitely. And, and like you said, like in the, in the long run, this isn't a, a horrible loss to any mean. Like the Hornets are a decent team. I think better than their record indicates, and I think they're going to climb a little bit. And just we don't Sixers don't match up well with them. And I mean, very frustrating the the way they lost it. The result itself is something I'm not that worried about. But it's it's so disappointing. Like it takes Joel go, having to go absolutely mongo every single night for them to compete with like contending teams. And the Hornets were by far the best team that they've played during the, like this winning streak in the stretch. And I think that showed last night. Like there there is the casualness in their game, and I, I it's it's so hard. Like Tobias is getting tougher and tougher and I, I get the 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 injury reports that are coming out the tendonitis and all the else but like it's kind of it's getting like last night I mean it's it's so you look at the raw stats and it doesn't look that bad but you just watch him play and it's incredibly frustrating like uh last night he ended up he ended with uh no this isn't last night he ended up with 12 points on 12 shots I believe let me fact check that but it's just like the yeah 14 last night I think okay uh but yeah, or 17 it. maybe i don't even know yeah 17 on 14 shots is what it was so it's just kind of like a six for 14 from the field I, he had a couple threes that were nice the one catch and shoot was nice off Embiid's feet but it's just kind of like a if you, if this is you playing hurt like i'm not sure i'm, I'm cool with it and I, I get like like the i appreciate yeah. the respect and the one thing i will say about tobias like i don't want to pile on to this guy because it, it is getting to the point where i feel like kind of bad with how much is being thrown his way but it's like like I respect you showing up to compete, trying to be the best you are. But if, if this is how you're playing in the role with the team, it's just not what it is not working out for anyone. Yeah, it's it's tough right now, man. It, it really is. Um, Tobias is just I mean, and it kind of showed he seemed like I don't know. He, it didn't seem right. He didn't he hasn't seemed right at all this year. Like there hasn't been a time where it's like this is the Tobias Harris because like even last year, like you look at last year and the way he carried himself and the way. Um, you know, he led this team. There was so much more just confidence and gumption and like attention to detail and and him just being outwardly like, I'm Tobias Harris, I'm a good basketball player. And we just haven't seen that um from him this year, which is you know kind of concerning on his front. I I there was a press conference that he did the other day taught when people asked him about the trade rumors and everything, and he's like, It's taken a lot out of me, I'm not gonna lie, over the last couple of days. Like that sucks to hear from him. I know that we're all kind of lobbying for him to be moved on from. And not that we aren't part of the problem. Obviously, we're, we talk about it every time we're on here. Uh, but like, I, I genuinely hope that he's okay uh, for yeah, what, whatever for he's sure. going through right now. And But like you said, like the injury reports and everything, like he's still showing up on the court. He's still going out there every night. So he's still kind of subject to being oh. talked about because he is playing. And, and that's part of the, the reality of the situation. So... I don't know, man. Last night was another disappointing performance. It's just very uninspiring basketball from him, and I don't know what more to say about it. Yeah, one more thing I want to touch on too is, uh, as far as Maxi goes, like I, I, first off, the Sixers obviously missed him, and and, and a lot of that is just the, the lack yeah. of guard play that we've seen. I mean, we've been rocking with uh, point guard Ferk and literally point guard Joel for uh, most of this stretch. So just it was refreshing to have like another guy that can handle the ball. He went on that tear like in the first quarter with yeah. those back-to-back threes and just like it was like a wow, this was missing. And then the second half in particular, like 
his number wasn't called the whole time. Like there was no plays for him. He didn't take control. He didn't seek out his own shots. He didn't create anything. And it's like, that's so needed in this offense, especially in a game like last night where there was no signs of pace. And that's all the Hornets were doing. We're pushing the pace, pushing the break. And Maxie's the one guy on this roster to keep up for it. And for him to just be a non-factor, whether that's schematic or himself getting involved, is so crazy to me. And also Isaiah Joe not getting minutes till the third quarter, probably only because Danny Green got hurt. Like that's a guy that's another like just throw him in there and, and like let him let him cook, let him do his thing a little bit. And I, I don't know. I I respect the uh, going to the the King Kong Godzilla lineup as Danny Green calls it with the Andre Drummond and Embiid late, but then you left it out there for far too long. Like I like that as like an injection of life. And then you got to get out of there. Like you can't let that simmer because that's gonna has its limitations. And uh, I, I I like that he went to it, but it's like there's still you're creating more problems as you try and solve some. Yeah, and like to me, this should have been a Bassy game, or it should have been, you know, getting some of the younger athletic guys in this game. Like, why do you have? Why are you so dead set on Andre Drummond playing that many minutes? You have other bigs on this roster. You have other options, not a ton, but like Drummond just doesn't keep up that well. Uh, even in B- but Embiid, like obviously, gives you a lot offensively. Not that I dislike Drummond, because I don't. I, I he's been very good, uh, but sometimes he just. He's able to be taken advantage of in a floor space. Like, also, the perimeter defense, man, was so bad last night. Like, yeah. I want to touch on that. Every possession, the Hornets were getting into the paint and kicking for a three-pointer. Like, it seemed like every possession. And Gordon Hayward went nuclear, which is like, Unreal. it only makes sense that like Gordon Hayward would go nuts against the Sixers. Like, it just makes sense that he would only miss two shots all night. You know, it's that type of thing. It's it, That's the type of thing that happens. Uh, with guys that play against the Sixers and because I don't think that they scheme well I don't think that they match up defensively I don't think they plan like I don't know if they came in with the idea of stopping Gordon Hayward and then I don't know that they had a a plan of action throughout the game to slow him down I think they kind of just sort of like he's going to do whatever he's going to do and you know to give credit to him he, he made a lot of good shots he made a lot of tough shots so Regardless, it's it's just one one loss in a in a span of pretty good games, so it can't be too upset about it. But it definitely was frustrating. Yeah, I mean, and that's pretty much all I got on that too. Is it's just kind of moving on. They got back to backs against the Heat and the or the Celtics and the Heat these next two games, Friday, Saturday, and then uh, beyond that, I guess the overlying thing that has just been everywhere and it seems to be picking up more and more steam lately with all like the rumors and the reports is is the uh, Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris thing. So. I guess to start out, James, any initial thoughts on, on your end for, I guess, what you've heard in recent games or, or recent days or what's coming out? Yeah, um, I mean, it makes like base level. It makes sense. Um, I Like we've talked about this for a while now. If they're going to move fr- on from Ben and, and this idea of this roster, the way it's currently constructed, it's probably going to be a little bit of an overhaul. Um, mm-hmm. So to move on from Tobias Harris along with Ben Simmons, it makes sense. Um, that being said, it's not going to happen in the same deal. I don't think like that's a lot of money to be moved around. And if it is the same deal, it's probably going to be like, at least I got to say like at least three, four, five teams, um, mm-hmm. are going to be involved with something like that, which could be fun, could be an interesting move around. But, uh, I guess from my point of view, the, the very first thing I felt is just like, it just seems like the next, like the, the natural progression you know, we haven't seen anything on the Ben front. There's news that really there hasn't been any sort of movement on either side for Ben to come back or the Sixers really getting any traction on a deal. So it's just kind of the next move is to say that Tobias Harris is available too. So I don't know. It's it's definitely interesting though. 
Yeah, I, I love exploring trading Tobias. I and there's a lot of people calling out kind of like the this is from a like a clutch mouthpiece kind of move and kind of a leak from them. Cause I do think there's an aspect of when you think about and Rich Paul, thank God he showed up and met with uh Daryl Morey and Elton Brand, and I'm sure things are fine now after after that lunch meeting and him sitting courtside <laughs> last night. I'm sure that fixed everything. But uh uh aside from that, like I do think there's an element of like the Sixers are doing fine. Like there, there isn't an, an aspect of Ben is not a head case or a concern for the team. The guys on the team have done excellent at just showing up, taking care of business and like going about their days with no regard to that. So I think there's an aspect of a, right. there needs to be a little more drama here. There needs to be a little more uh, tear people apart a little bit, but I do think just, just like off the sniff test of watching this team and what Daryl Morey's is about it makes complete sense for them to try and trade Tobias. Like, it just is it's not a hard observation to see that him and Joel are not ideal compliments. And I would argue that Tobias and Joel are even worse compliments than it was Ben and Joel. Like, there were times last night, there were a couple times where they were getting each other's ways as like one of them tried to drive the pain or double posting or whatever it was. And it's just like you can't have your your complimentary piece be operating in the same space same places as Embiid and in a much less effective way so it's just it doesn't work and the contract is obviously the element in the room and finding that and I mean I, I I think there has to be some extent it's it's closes in on similar to like the Horford kind of move for me and I think Horford Horford was much worse than Toby as much as we hate on Toby like Toby is more valued than Al Horford especially yeah. at this stage in the career and everything that comes with it but like there's something to be said about looking for like a, a fit move by shifting to bias and uh, rather than like just keeping up with the pure talent, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know what, well, like everything we're kind of complaining about, like rebounding, athleticism, getting up and down the floor, spacing the floor. Like those, when you're looking at Tobias Harris are not the pluses on his resume. You know what I mean? Those are not the things you look for and give him credit for. Like, is he unathletic? No. But is he an athlete like that sticks out on an NBA floor? Absolutely not. He doesn't facilitate the ball all that well. His shooting numbers are way down, um, mm. and he just like his jumper just looks bad, dude. Like it's, it, it doesn't look right. And I know like, but even when he was shooting like really well, like last season, he shot almost forty percent from three. He's only taking three a game. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, not that that's bad. Again, forty percent from three in any capacity is very good. But like it's not enough it's not enough from you know one of your premier wings one of your premier players on your team um defensively he's good he he's solid but again it's the lack of athleticism he gets out rebounded he gets kind of pushed around he gets beat up and down, beat up and down the floor so i don't know it's it definitely makes sense to move to look to move on um i don't know who like matches as a replacement you could like but i don't know even if you wanted to start like if you end up trading Tobias for a a wing or a two guard or something like Niang can step right in and play starting the starting power forward position like or you have options there you know what I mean so yeah. I don't know I think with Tobias if you're looking to move on I think it should be not necessarily a replacement but just anything that you can get in return uh you could probably end up with something better if you're if you're not looking for a power forward replacement yeah, and I want to get into some names in a, a few minutes, but uh, if if Niang is the guy that steps up, like you absolutely have to find somebody else that can rebound the basketball. Like Niang's an even yeah, worse yeah, rebounder yeah. than Tobias, and the Sixers are already struggling. And 
across the border within the bottom 10 every rebounding category and statistic ranked 30th and 29th in a good portion of them uh i guess one thing that the the whole since the simmons drama has sparked up the so much of the conversation has been about like waiting out for a superstar and finding a guy off that top 25 list and i mean at this stage in the season like it's a good thing that all these whispers are happening there's more and more momentum but i still think the the idea of like holding on to him to the summer is a, a really like real possibility that Daryl Morey could end up doing. And what's yeah. your mindset based on like, are you okay with that? Do you think that's how likely is that? And like, I guess the, the state of the Sixers are searching for in a potential trade, like, are you okay with settling with underneath that top tier? If that guy just doesn't become available. Um, I, all right. So first of all, I kind of expect it to go to the summer. If I'm being completely honest at this point, I really, I really genuinely don't like, we are less than 30 days in. I know that there will be uh, stories that come out. I know that there will be rumors and things. But the fact that we are at January 13th and it's still basically quiet. And there's a report as of yesterday afternoon that Daryl Morey met with Ben Simmons' agent. And both kind of came to the conclusion that neither one are closer to making any progress on either side. Like That kind of solidifies it to me that... Um, it's probably unlikely that a deal gets done before February. I think that they probably want to push Ben to, to come back and play. Um, not that he will or that I expect yeah, him to, not. but no, I, I don't think he, I, I really don't think he will, but mm-hmm. I think that's what Maury's kind of doing right now. I don't know. It, it's hard to tell, but I don't think you should settle um, at least right now. I, I think like it, it really sucks, especially considering how good Embiid has been, like how unbelievable um, he's been over the last couple of weeks in the, in this season, but I don't know. You can't, you can't, you can't settle on a, a player that doesn't move the needle. You can't settle on a player that doesn't, uh, impact the game just because you need to move on from Simmons, I guess right now. Um, but I definitely understand the want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely understand people wanting to, you know, whether it's McCollum or, or Buddy Heald or like a Harrison Barnes, like type of deal. I completely understand that. And you know, there's some things out there that I think are kind of on the fence. If you, you know what I mean? Like if it's a, a Kings deal and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but there's things that are on the fence that I think, you know, if the deadline comes around and that's the only thing available, maybe, but as of right now, I kind of expect it to go to the summer and I kind of expect them to still wait it out. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, so I want to start off with two of the reports that broke. This was yesterday morning as of now when all, I guess these first like started to really stir up and, this is from Sam Amick of The Athletic, who reported that the memo had pretty much been sent from Rich Paul regarding Ben Simmons to, to most teams. And it said, quote, he would be ready to play after a few weeks of intensified conditioning and court action. And then shortly followed by that was from Woj that was uh, a little bit opposite perspective and said, quote, Paul told the Sixers that Simmons' mental health uh, hurdles continue to preclude him from a return to play with the team. And he is, quote, no closer to playing this season. So there's something that doesn't line up. And I, I mean, the common denominator here is he's just absolutely never going to play for the Philadelphia 76ers again. And not that that's a, a top secret at this point, but like any talk of wanting him to rejoin the team, it 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 has to be just like trade juxtaposing and trying to create leverage with that. But there's just absolutely no way this guy steps on the floor again. And I, I it, from what where my mindset has changed and i totally have been all in on waiting out a trade and i I have the utmost faith in maury that he will find like he's tied for that grade a star which i i totally understand i think for where the team is currently at 
like a lateral move that's something that still keeps options open is not a bad idea. And Joel Embiid is the only guy that I'm concretely tied to in this franchise and doing everything possible to create him. And I just feel like we owe it to Embiid to create some sort of chance to win this year. So there has to be some sort of movement and some sort of roster construction that does it, even if that does mean kind of swallowing, kind of swallowing things down. And maybe that lateral move is just like, freeing up a, a, a contract for this offseason or something like that like we hear the Harden rumors there's a lot of smoke regarding the a reunion and him coming with more him and Embiid would obviously be tremendous and that's somebody that we look at but I just think that there has to be like something done for like I, I think Embiid is good enough right now that regardless of who the other four guys on the court like they're still a top four team in the east top five team in the east i mean they're fifth right now and they've they went through that brutal stretch i i think they're going to continue to climb a little bit because they are still better than like the the lower tiers and like as as much as like they're absolutely not a contender or a complete team like as long as Embiid is playing at this level and i don't see any signs of him slowing down for this year like you owe it to him to give it a shot I, I agree. I do agree with you. The thing that I kind of look at right now is like, you're looking at the rest of the teams in the league. If you're fully healthy right now, if like, you know, back say the Sixers are back to square one, um, they're probably a top tier contender in the league. But if you don't get a return on Ben Simmons, that it that moves the needle, that pushes you closer to a championship, you're now like falling into that purgatory like if you're not good enough to win a championship it's not worth it to make the move it, it, you know what i mean like yeah i know that it feels like you're throwing this season away and it, to a degree you kind of are but like in my mind if you move and get i don't know like it's hard for me to think of an example but like a lower tier guy that doesn't necessarily or like a middle tier guy that doesn't makes you better right now and definitely makes you like a top four seed in the east that's great and that's awesome for this year and we get an exciting playoff run potentially. But then after that, then what? Then you become, you know, that middle of the road team again and, and you don't get closer to the championship. So I, I think in the view of Daryl Morey, it's like we could make things better right now. We probably, and they, I'm sure they probably could, um, but we'd rather make them the best possible scenario in the summer. And if that is dumping off a salary and, you know, maybe getting yourself in a position for a sign and trade for Bradley Beal, or like you said, signing James Harden or looking at the free agents that are coming up this summer, giving yourself an opportunity to really revamp your roster or just really setting yourself up for that June deadline where you can not blow this team up, but make massive changes that the things that we're talking about, lack of athleticism, lack of floor spacing, lack of wing depth, lack of guard play, like changing that in a couple of moves, I think, in with the freedom of the off season is probably more likely and probably more worth it uh, than like patch doing patchwork right now. So that's, mm -hmm. that's my point of view, I guess. Yeah. And totally fair. And uh, frankly, this is coming from like me. These are my opinions on it from the Sixers. Yeah. And I, I think it pretty much echoes what you're saying. And that's more or less the, the route that I expect, even though I don't necessarily agree, but uh, yeah. let's get into a couple names with it here. So the Hawks thing, the obviously Cam Reddish traded to the Knicks for, yeah. A little bit of a disappointing blow because the, the Collins and Reddish kind of package as a starting point was something that I was getting more and more into. But John Collins still on the table. I mean, it sounds like the Hawks, it's Trey Young and Clint Capella, which weird that Clint Capella is the guy. But that's that seems <laughs> those are the two locks they apparently have and everyone else is uh, available. What are your thoughts on John Collins? Yeah, I so we, we talked about him a little bit on Tuesday. I like him. Um, mm -hmm. I think he's good. I think he's a very solid player. He I think he 
the things that we have been talking about with the Sixers lack in terms of athleticism, uh, complimentary piece. He shoots the ball well from three. I would like to look at his stats. I, I haven't been able to look. Um, yeah, I, I have. Because I don't know what he so shoots percentage-wise from three. Career-wise, he uh, 38.8% on 2.4 attempts per game. This season, he's shooting 42.7% on three attempts per game, a 16.7 point per game score. He's been over 20 points at, for stretches of his career. His usage these past two years has been on the decline, which I think is a lot of the reason for him wanting out. So, yeah, well, that's why it kind of surprised me that he did sign that that big extension. Yeah, um, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, again, that I mean, that kind of mirrors uh, Harris's numbers in, in a in a way that I don't think is very telling. I think Collins scores his points in a much different fashion. Um, having a lob threat on the court would just change everything. You know, every yeah. other team gets vertical. Every other team has that aspect. Uh, the Sixers really do not have that. Um, that being said, I don't, I, I, Collins doesn't intrigue me that much in a Simmons deal, unless it's like in you know, one of the add-on pieces, if he's like one of the two players of his caliber that would replace Simmons, that's a conversation. But like, I don't think John Collins is a centerpiece for me in a, in a Sixers trade. In a yeah, Simmons this is, Sixers trade. Gotcha. This is where the, the Toby comes back into play because it doesn't make sense for yeah. uh, Tobias, John Collins, and Embiid to be like the core of their team. Like, we're just kind of running this back with the, the Simmons, Toby, and Embiid trio with just guys that are like Collins is a little bit worse. So it's like we're yeah. running this back with guys not as quite as much upsize. With that being said, I love the idea of adding John Collins to the team. And this guy that I hated, I, I have hated before, but the he would automatically be the best athlete on the Sixers roster. And defensively is what particularly appeals to me, like him making being able to rotate and make blocks and just cover Embiid and take some responsibility off being Embiid defensively, I think is huge. Yeah. Uh, he's not a guy that I think is going to demand like super high usage on the offense, which is a plus. Like I think if the way I look at it and when I talk about needing to make a trade this year, is I think the focus needs to shift from finding a grade A all-star to finding the collection of pieces that brings out the best in Embiid. And I think Collins is one of these pieces. And if you can get him and one of the guard tier guys, when we talk about Halliburton or Fox or McCollum or Buddy Heald, some some collection DeJounte of the, Murray. DeJounte Murray, yeah, we'll get into him too. But the, some collection of those pieces, I can see Collins being a fit in that, that kind of mold and being the power forward there. And that's something that I would be uh interested in looking in yeah and i like again he's an upgrade somewhere you know what i mean he's yeah. an upgrade in a lot of places that the sixers are needing so i don't i don't mind his name being in the conversation at all gotcha and uh a guy i know you haven't been as high on but uh demonis sabonis thoughts on him i again i, I i'm not um i think i'm completely out on demonis sabonis even with uh tobias being gone i'm just i I don't think that his play style really is conducive with Embiid. um it's just it's it's too much of exactly what we're struggling with already i would love to get away from the old time power forwards uh (laughs) because there's just been too many obstacles with that with the Sixers. i want more spacing i want more vertical athleticism i want more pace and space guys i don't want another back down lefty hook kind of guy 
Yeah, fair. I've been a Sponis guy. I like his game a lot, dating back from the OKC days. Uh, when we look at this season, he's averaging 19.1 points, 12 rebounds, 4.6 assists, one steal, 32.3% three-point shooter on 2.4 attempts per game, which isn't great there, not great as a floor spacer. The rebounding is what really appeals to me. He's a top five NBA rebounder, and that is a problem that like, as much as we can dress it up and like it's whatever, Like the Sixers absolutely need help on the boards, and he's a guy that could do that. Uh, I feel a similar way as I do about Collins that I think he could be a piece kind of in the collection, but I'm way less confident in like the fit in it. Like uh, Collins to me is a significant notch above Sabonis as far as building a roster and the things he had. And I don't feel the same way defensively about what Collins brings and the athleticism he brings. That simply isn't Sabonis. I think he is an effective NBA player and I, I would like for him to land on his feet somewhere, but I don't know if Philly's the place. So yeah, move I totally on agree. Yeah, to move on a little bit, and I guess we'll get into a couple names here. The Kings are a, a team that seems pretty much open for business as far as trades are concerned. So uh, opening thoughts on De'Aaron Fox, Halliburton, Buddy Heald, uh, Harrison Barnes, anybody in particular that I guess jumps out to you? Yeah, um, I feel like I'm interested in all four of those, of those players. Um, Harrison Barnes is a really, I think really intriguing as a power forward replacement for Tobias. Um, looking at their numbers, they are similar uh, between Barnes and, and Harris, but I think Barnes fits a little bit better just in terms of the, his play style and defensively what he does. Um, I like him. I, I, we, we've had a lot of conversations about De'Aaron Fox. I'm just, I, I don't know how he fits here. Uh, yeah, his, getting his more and more. Shooting struggles well, are... I'm getting more and more out on Fox the more it like progresses. Yeah, I, I think I am too. Um, at first I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like I like I like Darren Fox a lot. I like him as a player. Um, but the shooting struggles are real. The shooting struggles are things that have been kind of uh, documented since his college years. I don't know. Halliburton's really good, but Halliburton I feel like is a step backwards in terms of progression. Like Halliburton's still a project. He's not a complete player. He's still super young. Um, I love Buddy Heald. I, I think Buddy Heald is any, like the icing on top of the cake. If the Sixers are in any deal with the Kings, I think that's a must. Uh, just like think about 10, 10 three-pointers a game guaranteed. And he's going to make four of them. It, like that's a, that's basically the Buddy Heald guarantee. Uh, you're probably going to get some lackadaisical defense every once in a while, but if you have a system that he buys into where he wants to win and he has a chance to win and he has a chance to be valued on a valuable team, I think that there's a change of pace that could that could happen with him, and he gives you a very very valuable skill that the Sixers like severely lack. And I would love him on this roster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I look at it, like all these guys have their individual kind of, I guess, pluses and minuses. Halliburton, fit wise, I like a lot. I think him and Maxi moving yeah. forward would be terrific, and I, that does set you up for kind of life post Joel Embiid. But as far as like the win now mode that really the root of these trades needs to be he's 21 years old he's still at the very beginning of his career arc uh 42 three-point shooter on five attempts a game which is pretty good i like that yeah. i i totally agree about buddy healed i i've been a i've been banging my hammer on a buddy healed trade for two years now and i was big time on the flip tobias harris for buddy healed uh at, dating back to like the lockdown and the COVID shutdown is when i was really in on that and like yeah. like you said just having a guy that would shoot at that like magnitude and that qu quantity would be terrific and i think he's very much a guy that could slide in and be that just think about like a guy like 
to me, he's uh, he would be an upgrade over Seth Curry, and I know that's kind of like Curry obviously has more to his bag, but just from like an efficiency and uh, being able to be on the court more, like as much as Buddy isn't a great defender, like he just has more size, like he's two inches bigger and and more like square and athletic than Seth Curry by a pretty big margin to the point where he can just stay. Like Curry cannot defend anyone, and it, that's becoming more and more apparent. And you can you can't cover that up with this current roster. Uh, Barnes, I don't feel j- that great about as like a Tobias upgrade. Like they're very much the same to me. And I-, I originally was very much like a, that's a good swap for fit for a guy that's pretty similar. But the more I've watched Barnes, kind of the less impressed I've been. He just kind of like his shooting numbers. He only shoots, he shoots, he sh- this year he's shooting 42.2% from three on 4.9 attempts, which is pretty good. But that's like a pretty kind of a outlier that I think might come down a little bit. Like he hasn't been that good statistically through his career. He's a little bit of a mid thirties percent shooter from three so i think that's kind of on, on the shrink and i also feel that way about john collins a little bit so i'm i don't know these are all guys i think that there absolutely needs to be conversations about and that's some sampling of them like if we look at like a collins halliburton and heel trade if that's that we we ship out simmons and tobias and come back with those three and whatever else the pieces make the team even now that's something i'm very interested in i would probably do but uh, as far as like any of these guys as centerpieces and the guy, I don't feel particularly great about. Yeah, I think that's absolutely where I stand too. Is like if you're able to, but like again, I think that's something that like a a deal of that magnitude where like you're basically flipping your entire lineup. Um, like if you're swapping two major pieces and bringing in three starting caliber players, um, you're asking to completely like retool your team in february when you're trying to make a playoff run uh in like april you know what i mean so it's that's like it might that might honestly just be better in the off season and maybe they have the ability to make uh a more staggering and and i don't even know how to explain just a, a trade that fits better a trade that like really they can dot the t's and or cross the t's and dot the i's and make sure everything fits nice and and perfect for this team but I don't know. I I do like I'm interested in all of those players, but like you said, none of them are like dialing it in for me as the main piece of a Simmons deal. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And um, I I do I do think personally, like frankly, I do think the Sixers need to do that type of retool. And like I'm okay with just going for it now, giving it a shot now. Like at least it's like a fighting chance this year. Like I I still feel like. I, I would rather like go down giving that a shot than like punt on this season because I think they are like in that vicinity of winning and this still sets you up for life like po- like I don't think you totally mess yourself up like when we look at the contracts for these like Buddy Hill he's got three years left Halliburton four years left uh, Barnes two years left John Collins signed the five year one twenty five mil like it's not like you're losing these guys after this year if you make these trades like this is kind of a core that you can build around or potentially trade again if there is like that end step like these if you traded for Halliburton in this and then kind of package like a even though it like would kind of suck to do this but if you trade like Maxi and Halliburton for like a, a grade a star like that you can probably get a deal done like that and, and that is kind of like a I'm sure like you do have to think kind of a couple steps ahead here and I think that's worth like considering uh yeah jump- I, I agree sorry I just I, I it's it's tough because like if the idea is to retool and Maury thinks there's a better chance to like make yourself a fully like loaded team in June, or you could just like upgrade at most spots in February. Like I I think the long view is probably better. You know what I mean? Like it might be worth it to do it and give yourself a chance this year. And like, 
by some odd off chance that everyone gets hurt and the Sixers have a really good chance at like winning the championship like the Raptors did in that year, like where they took the chance, it panned out, but that doesn't happen all the time. So I don't know. I'm, it's hard to know what, what Maury's viewpoint is. Yeah. Uh, to jump to a guy I know you're high on, uh, DeJounte Murray, averaging yeah. 18.4 points, 8.2 rebounds, 8.9 assists, leads the NBA with 2.1 steals. He's a 33.1% three-point shooter on 4.1 attempts this season. So what are your thoughts on Murray? I'm I'm a, I'm a Murray a Murray fan for sure. Uh, think about it, man. 18 per game, 9 assists, uh, 8 rebounds from your point guard. You're talking about uh, 2 steals per game. So like... Think about him as a backcourt partner with Maxi. Damn mm-hmm. near perfect, right? Basically perfect. He's six foot four, basically a seven foot wingspan, uh, length, size, athleticism. He's a dog. Like, I, I don't know how much of, you've watched of him. I've been watching him a lot recently. He's just, he's one of those guys. He is 25, so he's a little bit older than you think. Like, at first, when I started watching, I was like high on him. I was like, oh, he's like, what, 23? He's 25, which is which is good in terms of like, he's ready to win. He should be ready to get into a system yeah. and start winning. Um, the three-point shot is a little bit concerning, obviously, 33% on five attempts. But, like, five attempts is where we start. He's been he's been steadily improving as a shooter. Um, I understand that he has flaws. Um, and, unfortunately, in the ways that Simmons had flaws with the shooting and the struggles in that sense. But I think he has the, the Maxi, Ja Morant type, like, I'm getting after it and I'm on your ass like constantly type point guard feel. Um, And that's a really fun and intriguing aspect to a point guard. And with his defense and his facilitation, I think that like that replacement makes a lot of sense for this roster. Yeah. You bring up a lot of good points. I don't know how to fully explain it, but I I feel like I'm out on Murray. Like I really, I get such the vibe of it's like a, an empty stats on a bad team kind of. Yeah. And like, I, dog and he's one of those guys because i don't get that feeling when i watch him play like I, even the game that he played against the sixers like his statistically ended up very good i i forget exactly what it was but it was somewhere in the vicinity, like 22 like, and yeah. yeah 22 9 and 7 i think it was but like watching it he didn't have that feel of an impact on the game kind of like the, the tobias-esque kind of stat line yeah. where it's like it's there but I, you kind of forget it happens and I mean, the Spurs obviously aren't like a contending team right now, and I do like Keldon Johnson on that team. That's somebody I would I would wouldn't mind packaging with it. Uh, I I I'm not taking him off kind of the game plan of like if he's in the right mix and combining with the right aspects. But I think he's a notch down on my list beyond even like Fox or Halliburton in my mind for sure. Yeah, I mean, the empty stats is definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, because the Spurs just aren't good and he's kind of leading the charge there uh, with mm-hmm. that. But when you talk about Keldon Johnson or like if you're able to get Doug McDermott in a deal like that or um, Derek White, like they have guys that you can mix in that I think could, they could make up a really nice uh, package to make a swap with. And, and you know, if you're getting uh, Murray back in that deal, I think I prefer that to uh, Halliburton. I prefer that to Fox personally. Um, I don't know. It would be interesting to see his fit here, but I think like facilitation wise and defense wise, uh, he shores up a lot of spots, but I mean, it's hard to tell. They haven't heard too much about him. I don't, I don't know how available the Spurs are making any of those guys. I know Popovich loves those guys. 
Yeah, and I think Simmons would be tremendous in in uh, San Antonio. I'm oh, sure he'd be <laughs> awesome there, which would suck to watch. But uh, uh, shifting gears a little bit, how about Karis LeVert or CJ McCollum? Either of those guys uh, would be up to you. I'm so I'm I am so far and away uh, out on Karis LeVert. I Agreed. want no part of him. Uh, CJ McCollum for Tobias, <laughs> you know, great. Like you do that in a in a second for Simmons. I don't think so. Um, but like, I'm like, to me, I think I would be, no, I don't think so. I know I'd be okay. If like the Sixers took Harris and, you know, one of the young guys that even we like, whether it's Matisse or I don't know how far you go, if you, if you're attaching Maxi too, but like one of those guys that you really like, or if, like take all the first round picks, I don't care. I could care less about a first round pick. Yeah. Like if, if the Blazers are like, we don't want Harris that much. But like, if you're attaching Thibault, if you're attaching Milton, if you're attaching Corkmaz, if you're attaching a couple like two first, like I'm doing that. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that as well. I'm also out on Levert. He just doesn't do it for me. Like he absolutely would be improvement over what the Sixers have, and it's a guy like a worst case, like uh, well, I'll take it. But it's it's not a guy that I'm like this helps change the direction of the team or this like. There's a lot of not good basketball that I see in him. What are you about to say? It's too much Josh Richardson. It's too yeah, much yeah, Josh Richardson. That's a good- I can see that for sure, and he's and like even a hustler, mm-hmm. like he's he's a hustler. He he's a good player. Um, I think he's solid defensively. He's decent, but like bad shots, mid range contested, doesn't finish that well, doesn't shoot that well from anywhere. Like I don't know, it's just not intriguing to me. Yeah, he's a he's shooting thirty one percent from three this year on five point one attempts. He's a thirty three point three percent career, and I mean. we shouldn't be looking for any below average three pointers like that pretty much should be a requirement for guys around Embiid. and just like a quick reminder the nba average for three point last year it was 36.7 percent and so far this year it's 34.8 percent so there should be a decent amount of bubble to get guys above that and this guy does not tick that box uh a guy that i personally love i haven't heard any connections for the sixers to this so this is kind of purely me speculating but uh the clippers seem to be in kind of sell mode with uh paul george hurt Kawhi, obviously not back yet reggie jackson's a guy i love and i think would be tremendous this year is averaging 16.7 points 3.4 rebounds 3.9 assists uh only 33.2 percent from three on 7.7 attempts per game but he did shoot 43.3 percent last year he's 31 years old he's a guy in win now mode i would absolutely love to get him and probably a notch below most of these guys on my list thoughts on reggie yeah, we talked about him in the offseason um, mm-hmm. a, a good amount. I was a fan of him there. Um, if he's cheap, um, if he's cheap, I, I think you go for it. Um, again, if he's a guy like if he if that's the uh, the fourth team in the trade that ends up getting, you know, one of the younger guys or one of the you know what I mean? Like if there's four teams and there's guys moving around and, you know, they're a one off team with Reggie Jackson moving on and the Clippers getting someone else in return. Like, I'm totally cool with that. I would love Reggie here. Um in terms of just like point guard play, I think he's perfect. Like he, he's kind of of that Mike Conley caliber of like do your job exactly as you should. Um, and then otherwise get out of the way, uh, mm. facilitate, play defense, score the basketball when you're open and uh, like, and then stay out of everyone else's way. And that's the kind of point guard he is. And I, I really liked the idea of him in the off season. I've liked the idea of Mike Conley when we talk about or Kyle Lowry, like those type of like game managing very solid point guards. I think Reggie Jackson fits that mold. So I do like him. Yeah, totally agree. I absolutely love him. I'd be all over it. Uh, the last real conversation I want to have here. Uh, so this is more to the tone of the Tobias Harris trade. 
I think people have to be more realistic on like what a negative he is and what the Sixers could realistically look to to pull a flip and and guys that they put could potentially get. Like none of these names that I mentioned, I really think are potential flips for Tobias Harris. I think these are all kind of packages in a Simmons deal. Would you be willing to trade Tobias Harris for either John Wall or Russell Westbrook? No. Okay. I don't think so. I like I don't want the attention of either one of those guys considering like Russell Westbrook. I mean, dude, it's every day. It's every day. It's every night. It's every, you know, 15 minutes. You're like hearing an argument about Russell Westbrook. I want no part of that. I don't think Embiid wants any part of that. Um, And I just don't like John Wall just, I don't know. He makes so much money and I know Tobias does too, but he makes more and he's also just like, hasn't played basketball in forever. And even when he does get to play, he gets hurt. So, yeah, I don't think. How funny would that be, though, yeah. if like John Wall was a Sixer for a year? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Dale Moore trading for Russell Westbrook again? Like that would also be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my little spiel on this. So this obviously is not Plan A or Plan B or Plan C. Really, this is very yeah. far down on my list. What I will say on like the appeal to it, and part of me is getting closer and closer to swallow this. Is so if. Simmons is not moving to the offseason. That th- th- this is to me very contingent on that. That this is we are holding on to Ben Simmons and figuring it out in the offseason. There's no trade to be had. This so looking at the contracts, both these guys, John Wall makes 44.3 mil this year. Uh Westbrook makes 44.2 mil. Next year they each have player options, which would obviously have to be dealt with and talked about before even this trade will be done. If you can free yourself up for a roster spot moving on into next next year and have the cap space for the offseason. And also, like, to me, it's a fighting chance. Like, trading for Westbrook for Tobias, not that that makes us, like, a better team to much of an extent, but there would be something, like, refreshing about a guy that just competes every single second he's out there and a guy that will go out of his way to jump and get a meaningless rebound and attack, put his head down right down the court. Like, there would absolutely be moments where I'd be so frustrated, but I do think there's an aspect, like, the Sixers kind of need that. And, like, if this is kind of like a whatever, we'll try it this year and free us up to the offseason, I honestly don't have that much of a problem with it. I think, yeah, Russell Westbrook, though, I think would piss you off, like, for sure, I mean, no, included, absolutely. but like more than it would be like, oh, it's kind of nice for him to be here. Like, bad shot taker doesn't. If you go like Lakers are struggling, Lakers fans are talking about how terrible he's defensively. Like how often he's just lost and doesn't know what he's doing defensively. Like, yeah, team. I think team. honestly, I genuinely would probably be more interested in John Wall. Like just for the the ambiance of John Wall. Like having yeah. him on the team would be like really sick for like three months, and then I'd be like, okay, I'm done. Uh, which if you could like get him and his agent to like agree to not take the player option also rich paul by the way oh that's right (laughs) but that i Uh, honestly don't think that's like a a negative in this case when we think about if we're talking i mean obviously they're not gonna be thrilled if the the end goal of him getting here is we're holding on to simmons past the deadline but i think there's something to be said for like now kind of you can tell like where we believe the power is at in this like this is daryl Morey talking like you can tell where the power is at that we're not kind of folding so you need to kind of scratch our backs here a little bit say no to the player option free up a spot and then we'll get rid of ben like you've kind of made this worse and again not that the Sixers are blameless in this but i think Morey can kind of hold the hammer and be like like we're doing our best you're making this hard for us to trade you you need to help us out a little bit and we will help you out in the long term so i do think there's something to be said there yeah, help me help you, you know, uh, that kind of deal, you know, get mm-hmm. if, if the idea is to eventually get Ben out 
um, that's the the goal for everyone, right? So if you make it easier right, right now, we'll make it easier in a couple of months. I could see that. I really don't. I kind of highly doubt that uh, either of those things happen. But could you imagine Tobias Harris playing for the Lakers? How quickly that fan base would hate him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know how I feel if he's worse than Russ. Like, they're unfortunately they're kind of similar in my mind. And Russ is more. They're both extremely frustrating NBA players. So I yeah. can't really stick up for either one hardcore. But like, there is something about. I to me, it would be uh, again the end goal here is freeing up the cap space for when we look at look ahead to the off season and this is kind of when you're looking for a grade a star john or james harden bradley beal kyrie irving uh zach levine are all potentially guys that could be available and three three out of the four of those have player options and that could and there obviously could be some sort of sign and trade there for simmons and these are all guys that i think are in the stratosphere and on that kind of 25 list that more the end goal is so to me this is kind of a, a lateral move to free up for that and it's just kind of a fighting chance and i feel the same way about john wall like in a limited capacity i think he could be fine and he's a guy that is still provide something that the sixers just haven't had in a while yeah i don't know i don't know what they'll do it's uh that that poses a good point and we talked about that a little bit before uh but now it's getting a little bit more real is like even though it's like a lot of people say it's like a punt to the offseason or punt till next season like if that makes the most sense, if you really think that you have a chance, like if Maury's sitting down and thinking, I have a chance to get a James Harden or to get, you know, even a dude, I would, I would do unspeakable things for Zach Levine, but like that type of player, if you're able to get him on a contract, just because you move Tobias Harris right now, like to me, that makes sense to me. That seems like a good move. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's what their plan is. It'll, I mean, the, the clock is really ticking. It really it is. is. Like, well, the days keep going and you kind of look at the date and the calendar and you're like, Oh shit. Like there is, <laughs> we're, we're at like a month away, less than a month away. So I'm definitely intrigued by all of this stuff. It's a good conversation. And I think the list goes farther than what we talked about today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, I'm sure there's going to be more and more coming out. There's going to be probably a new rumor pretty much every day. Yeah. So stay tuned, stick on your feet, but that's pretty much all I got from this. Yeah, man, definitely. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll like literally we'll probably should do this like every week, like every Thursday we should do like uh, an update on uh, what it looks like. So for right now, we're what the, the deadline is February 10th mm-hmm. as of right yeah. now to, to kind of recap. Um, the Sixers haven't made any moves. There haven't been many moves made at, at all this year. Um, but as of yesterday, they're neither side is giving in in terms of Sixers and Ben Simmons. Um, it's been confirmed by the athletic that the Sixers are trying to move both Simmons and Harris. Was that the athletic or was that someone else? Uh, I'm not hundred percent sure. It was, there's been a couple different whispers. I, I don't have it offhand. So yeah, that's fine. So, um, that's where we are. The Sixers play tomorrow night in Boston and then on Saturday night in Miami or at home against Miami. I believe in Miami. I'm so back to back road games against two rivals the Celtics who are kind of falling apart uh the Heat who are dealing with some injuries so and Bean looks to break the Sixers record for nine straight 30 point games which is incredible um on his part so stay tuned we'll definitely be having a lot to talk about on Tuesday when we come back uh, it's been a pleasure as always thanks you guys for sticking around because this is a longer episode and we'll talk to you guys next week